Well, we'll start with a story. Can I tell you a story? I, I was late one night to my eighth grade youth group. When I got there, they were already circled up to pray, but they heard me come in, and so they kind of looked up and motioned for me to come over. And uh, the leader that night was Mr. Sullivan. Now, Mr. Sullivan uh, was also the science teacher at my middle school, and he was also a, uh, a student volunteer. And so he was there kind of leading our prayer circle. And so we grabbed hands, and we bowed our heads, and we shut our eyes like good little evangelicals. And we started to pray. Some kids started to pray. And it's at this point that I just need to let you know that I don't have a ton of stories like this one. And I'm just going to have to ask you, even though we're just getting to know each other, would you please just believe me that this happened, okay? I was praying and I started to feel something in my hands. It was a heat. It was a tingling and it began to grow. There was a pulsating. It started to move up my hands, my arms, and then it happened. Kid over here just bursts out laughing. <laughs> then all the kids burst out laughing because Mr. Sullivan, our science teacher had brought in a static electricity generator. And when our eyes were closed and our hands were together, he's back there cranking up the static electric. I thought spiritually I was going to another level. And it turns out Mr. Sullivan was just abusing children. That's how I see it. No, Mr. Sullivan was one of my favorite teachers growing up. Do you remember the name of one of your favorite teachers growing up? I'm going to ask you, as you're watching at home, wherever you're watching, I'm going to ask you with whoever you're watching with, I'm going to give you like a minute, and just go around and uh, in your watch party, share the name of one of your favorite teachers and why they were one of your favorite teachers. In our watch party here, we're going to do that same thing. Okay, would you socially distance, we're going to look at each other, and we're going to share with each other the name of our favorite teacher and why. And the other thing, if you're just watching this on a treadmill, just, just take a minute and just think to yourself the name of your favorite teacher and why they were so special to you, all right? Ready, set, go. All right. Well, isn't that great? I mean, for some of us, it was 10 years ago. For some of us, it was decades ago. But we can remember the name of our favorite teacher. But there are probably some other teachers that we had, and we can't remember their names. The, the names have faded over time. You know, it's interesting that maybe your child probably wouldn't know your favorite teacher's name, is certainly your grandchild, or it, you may not know your parents' favorite teacher's name, or, or certainly you, you probably don't know your grandparents' favorite teacher's name. And, and isn't it interesting 
that 2,000 years have passed and we still celebrate Jesus as the greatest teacher who ever lived. It's pretty amazing to me that we still were celebrating the teachings of Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time. That's the title of the message, the greatest teacher of all time, which when that's the title of your message, you have to be very careful how your church promotes it because this is how we promoted it online. Dave Dummett, the greatest teacher. Uh, which some of you looked at that and said, well, I don't know, maybe Megan Marshman, but I don't know about Dave Dummett, okay? So you got to be real careful with how you promote it. Make no mistake, we know that Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. And we want to look at him today. But to understand Jesus as the greatest teacher, you have to look at the teaching environment that Jesus was born into. The educational system that Jesus was born into and was raised up in. The Jewish culture was full of great teachers. They were called rabbis. And the rabbis were to teach the Torah, the scriptures of the day, the first five books of the Bible. And it was central to the life of Israel. The Torah spoke into the way that church services were to be conducted. It spoke into the ways that courtrooms were to be overseen. It spoke to the way that you were supposed to run your family. It even spoke to the diet you were supposed to have. And so following the teachings of the Torah became synonymous with following God. And so therefore the teaching of the Torah became a very intense process, a very important process for the Jewish people. So as a child was getting ready to to go into school, by the age of six, these kids had memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Folks, my boys can't even remember to put the toilet seat down, okay? And they have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Now, at six years old, as long as they're doing well, they begin to memorize the entire Old Testament. The entire Old Testament, word for word. When I grew up, uh, fourth grade Sunday school was the place that we had a shot to be able to win the Bible trophy. The Bible trophy was this little gold-plated cross and gold-plated Bible. And you think, well, that's just silly. But I'm telling you, when you were fourth grade, man, I wanted that trophy. And what you had to do is anybody could get the trophy. All you had to do was say the books of the Bible in order. And so at fourth grade, I'm standing in front of the church and they say, go. And I'd been studying, but there's something about getting in front of all those people. And I got all amped up and I just launched out Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, numerology, Deuteronomy or something. I don't know. And I got all flustered and I started to cry. And my Sunday school's teacher was so kind. He said, David, just pull out your Bible. And I pulled out the Bible. said, go to the table of contents and just read. And I read from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And he said, folks, folks, the assignment was, if you could say the books of the Bible in order, you got a trophy. And I think Dave ought to get a trophy. And everybody applauded and said, oh, that's so sweet. And I got a trophy. And I have been getting special help like that ever since in my life. Well, that was kind of a celebration for us. 
There was a celebration that these Jewish boys would experience as well. It was called Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. Exactly. Now, Shabbat was kind of a celebration where the rabbi would, would repeat or say, recite some scripture. And then the, the student was supposed to take where he left off and just keep going and recite that passage. And if he did that well, then one of the ways they would celebrate was, now watch this, they would take the tablet of the scripture and they would pour honey on the tablet. Now, wasn't a lot of candy back then, not a lot of sweet treats. Honey was a real rarity. And they would give that tablet to the student, and the student was allowed then to lick the honey off of the tablet. Now, that's strange unless you've had a toddler, because you know if there's ice cream somewhere, it doesn't matter if it's on a foot, it doesn't matter if it's on a shirt, they're going to lick it off. But here's the thing. The imagery is, I want the Bible to be savored. I want the Bible to be sweet. I want the Bible to be ingested. I want the Bible to become a part of me, right? I want the Bible to become internalized in my life. And with that Shabbat celebration as context, let me read to you Psalm 119, uh, verse 102 says, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Well, if there were some students that could, could memorize the entire Old Testament, there was actually another level of education. There was an elite level of education where rabbis who have been spending time over the years with these young men would notice certain things and they would look at these boys and at some point they would say, you know what, I think you have what it takes to do what I do. Not only to have memorized the scripture, but then to teach it. I I think you could come and you could follow me and you could learn from me in this third elite level of education and I could turn you into a rabbi just as I am a rabbi. And I'm telling you, The day that a young boy got that invitation from a rabbi, that was a special day. That was like one of their heroes. Because remember, back then, the religious leaders, they were were the center of the society. They were the creme de la creme. They were the best. They were were all the kids thought they were cool. It's kind of like it is today. Like all the kids think the pastors are really cool. And they all want to be like us and dress like us. I don't know why you're laughing right now. I don't understand that. At all, But you know what? Um, this concept here, this is why I understand a portion of Scripture that I hadn't understood before I understood the educational system. And I'll tell you what the passage of Scripture was. It's when Jesus walked up to those fishermen and said, come follow me. And if you know the story, what they did was They dropped their nets immediately and went to follow Jesus. And I always looked at that and I thought, that is so strange. Did Jesus have some sort of hypnotic eyes? Did he sort of walk up and say, come follow me? And they all just went, okay. But now I understand it. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a well-known rabbi. These kids had dropped out of the educational system. They weren't the creme de la creme. No one thought they had it in them. 
And yet Jesus comes along and says, I see a world changer in you. This is like me and my son out shooting hoops in the driveway and LeBron James pulling up. And looking at my son and going, boy, you got a nice shot. I think you could make it in the NBA. Come and follow me and I help. Guys, I'll tell you right now, my son wouldn't even pray about it. He would get in the car and go and try to become an NBA player. And so now Jesus has identified this group and said, you know what? I believe that you have this in you. And, and, and we're going to go change the world. You remember what he said? I will make you fishers of men. We're going to go change the world. And so now he takes them on. Now there was an incredible phrase that a blessing would happen as the rabbi would take the boys and, and, and ongoing when, when they are disciples. And the phrase is this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And what that meant was, may you walk so closely to your rabbi that as his sandals would kick up the dust behind him, that you would be covered in it. That you would listen so closely, that you would follow so closely, that you would be right up with your rabbi, that you would follow him so closely that you could be covered with the dust of your rabbi. Well, what does that look like if we are to be followers or disciples of Jesus, the greatest teacher? What does it look like to be covered with the dust of our rabbi? Jesus uh, says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and we'll make our home with them. That if we want to be followers of Jesus, well, then we need to obey his teaching. Well, what is his teaching? Well, there's, there's a lot to it. But uh, actually, somebody came up, an expert in the law, and asked Jesus, hey, can you kind of sum up the whole law? Can you, can you take all that Old Testament and, and everything you've been teaching and just kind of you know, give us the Cliff Notes version of your teaching? And Jesus said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first, and that's really the greatest commandment, he said. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets really just hangs on those two commandments. And then if you flip over a couple more chapters in Matthew 28, Jesus is getting ready to go up to heaven, and he gives sort of marching orders to all of his disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And therefore, go and make disciples. So part of you becoming like me as a teacher is that you now have the responsibility to teach others. In fact, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I'm going to go with you always to the very end of the age. And now, now I'm starting to understand Jesus as the greatest teacher. I'm seeing the context with which he grew up. I'm hearing some of his teaching. I'm imagining how it should affect my life. And for me, I've got three observations that I want to leave you with today. The first one is this, is if I'm going to be a, a good disciple of the rabbi, then I need to teach and be taught. Teach and be taught. A great teacher must first be a great 
learner. Do you see that in the culture of education that Jesus grew up in? It's interesting that when Paul, a, an early church leader, comes on the scene, one of the things he says in 1 Corinthians is, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This concept of I am going to learn and I'm going to teach. This is one of the reasons we understand some of the teaching of Jesus or even have some of the teaching of Jesus 2,000 years later is that those who learned the teaching from Jesus passed it on to other people. In fact, Barnabas was the one that shared it with Paul. Paul shared with Timothy, and Timothy was sharing with his church. It says in 2 Timothy 2.2, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Do you see the generation? The generations of teaching. And so the question is, for us, who are you learning from? You say, well, come on, Tiger, I'm learning from you. Like, we're right here. Um, Yeah, but who are you learning from? I, I mean, we live, we live in a generation that has more teaching of Jesus, more help in understanding the teaching of Jesus than any other generation in human history. We have podcasts. We have books. We have Bible. We have Bible commentary. We have small groups that we can get together. We have coaching relationships. We have so much available to us. And so where are you learning the teaching of Jesus? And then let me ask you this. Who are you passing the, the teaching of Jesus on to? Who, who are you investing in? Who are you raising up? Who, who are you passing on? Who's, if your sandals were kicking up dust, who would be covered in the dust of your sandals? Certainly, if we're going to understand and follow the greatest teacher of all time, we're going to have to understand that we're both learners and teachers. The second thing I'd share with you is this, that we need to teach the truth. We need to be teachers of the truth. A a teacher can be funny, can be likable, can be charismatic, but if they aren't teaching the truth, then by definition, they're not a great teacher. Am I right? Jesus taught with authority. In fact, in Mark 1.22, it says this, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had a lot of jokes. That's not what it says. It didn't say that he had a lot of great stories and wound people up into frantic emotion and made people weep and cry and laugh and he was so lovable. It's not what it says. It says that the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Do you know where Jesus' authority came from? It came from who he was and it came from the fact that he was teaching the Bible. Jesus would often quote Old Testament scriptures as if they were the very words of God. Jesus' teaching lined right up with 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Jesus believed, and we should as well, that the Bible is our authority for the faith that we have. 
The Bible is our authority for the practice, for the way that we live. The Bible is our authority. You know, Jesus taught some things that everybody loved to hear. He taught with authority, and he would say things like, hey, God loves you, and people ate that up. And he would say, God forgives you, and people love that. And he would say, love your neighbor. And we love all those messages. But do you know Jesus, the one who taught with authority and used Scripture as his authority, do you know that Jesus also taught some of the most controversial, some of the most countercultural, some of the most revolutionary teachings of his day? He would say, love your enemies. Jesus would cross racial and gender boundaries and give dignity to people and would teach them and people would go, what are you doing? You know, Jesus had a pretty, and has pretty traditional view of marriage and sexuality. Jesus would say, love your neighbor, or excuse me, love the poor, even to the point of denying yourself in order to do so. Jesus' teachings are as countercultural and as revolutionary today as they were 2,000 years ago. And they are just as true. One of the most countercultural, revolutionary things that Jesus said was in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And I almost want to go, Don't say that. Do you know how intolerant that sounds? Do you know how judgmental, how arrogant that sounds for Jesus to say that he was the truth and that no one comes to the Father except through him? And yet it's true. Guys, if we are going to get covered in the dust of our rabbi, if we're just going to take next steps with God, if we're just going to, we're going to have to grapple with all the teachings of Jesus, even the difficult ones. Amen? Amen. Not only do we need to um, be learners and teachers, not only do we need to teach the truth, But the third thing I would share with you is that we need to teach through typification. Now you say, typification, what is that? Well, it's a T word, and I was using T words up to this point, and I'm trying to be a good teacher, okay? Um, Typification means modeling. It means you model what you're teaching. I was uh, walking one day in the driveway in the middle of a snowy uh, winter in Michigan, and my boy, Luke, was behind me. He was about four years old. And as we were walking along the driveway, I hear this. <laughs> and I stopped and said, buddy, what, what are you laughing at? And he goes, nothing. And I, I could go a little bit further, and I, I hear it again. <laughs> I said, buddy, what is going on? He goes, Nothing. He's rigging his hands, and I, I walk a little bit more, and he goes, ah. I said, buddy, what is going on? And he goes, I'm walking in your footsteps. Aww. Yeah, oh, is exactly what I thought. But then I thought, oh. <laughs> because sure enough, this kid is following in my footsteps. He's watching everything I do. 
He watches how I treat servers at a restaurant. He watches the way I prioritize my time. He watches the way that I spend my money. He watches the words or listens to the words that come out of my mouth. He sees what I get excited about and what I ignore. My son is watching everything I do. And in some ways, it's not so much about what I'm saying as what I'm living. Am I right? I mean, if you have a... How many of you love teachers that are hypocrites? Not at all. Like, I want a teacher that is worth listening to. I want a leader that is worth following. I I want a teacher that is not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And when it comes to Jesus, can I say this? I love the teachings of Jesus. I love his teachings. And I recognize that it is not his teaching that made all the difference. It was what he did in his life. Because Jesus lived a life that was sinless. Every choice he made was the right choice. And then he chose to die on the cross for my sins. And it wasn't his talk that made all the difference. It was his walk that made all the difference in my life. And in Philippians it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus lived a sinless life. He was both fully God and fully man. And then he chose to allow himself to die on a cross for our sins. And because of all of those things being true, he's able to extend a hand of invitation down through 2,000 years of history to you and to me, and to say, if you will come and follow me and put your faith in me, then your sins will be forgiven and you can live with God forever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And if you're watching this today, if you're here today and you've not yet said yes to Jesus, I want to say that today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Say yes to Jesus. If you need help making that decision, you can just type into the the comment line or call the church or email and we'll help you make that decision. But don't put that off. That is the ultimate next step with God. If you've said yes to Jesus, then I would encourage you. I think you're watching this for a reason. I think God has you here. And so maybe he's asking you to think about a next step where you find somebody to really learn from. Or you find somebody to pass on what has been invested in you that you would invest it in someone else. If you're watching this right now, then maybe it's time for you to take a next step in grappling with the truth of Jesus' teachings because some of them were so great and encouraging and some of them were really, really hard to swallow. And then finally, perhaps you're watching this because your walk is not matching your talk. And there's some area of your life that you need to say no to a 
an unhealthy habit or maybe you need to say yes to bringing something new into your life that's going to help you have more positive uh, relationships and a more positive relationship with God, that your walk would match your talk. I don't know what your next step is, but I want to invite you to take it as we close this service. Now, I have an idea. We're about a month into e-learning. And our teachers are having a heck of a time. It's hard. I walked up on our South Lake campus. I was teaching there last weekend. I walked up on two teachers who were having a conversation and And they were trying to encourage each other, talking about how hard it was. And one teacher with tears in her eyes said, you know what? This is the first time in my life that I have considered quitting my job. And some of these teachers, they're trying to do e-learning with some of our kids while they've got their own kids to manage. You know how difficult this is for them. And it just occurs to me that we can talk about the greatest teacher, but wouldn't it be great if we did something for teachers? And you know what? As being a large church, we have the opportunity to really do something special, really make a difference. And, and we can do it if all of us jump in and just do it in a very little way. Watch this. Would everyone here, everyone watching, will you just decide right now that you're going to send a note of encouragement to an educator? I don't care if it's a principal. I don't care if it's a bus driver. I don't care if it's a teacher. I don't care, just anybody involved in the educational system. Can we as a church say, you know what? God's got us looking at the greatest teacher. Let's encourage teachers, educators. And will you right now just say, you know what? I'm going to send a little note. I'm going to send a little email. I'm going to, maybe some of you would say, hey, as a small group, we're going to go in and we're going to decorate the teacher's lounge. We're going to tell them how much we love them. We're going to buy them a cake. We're going to do something like that. Or we're just going to get a little Starbucks gift card and we're going to send it on. But just think about it. If tens of thousands of people that are watching this right now say we're going to love the teachers in our community, that'd be amazing. And I just encourage you, I think it'd be really fun if, you know, when you have that Starbucks gift card, take a little picture of it, post it online, social media, and just go hashtag Willow Creek. And we'll share these stories with each other. And let's encourage our teachers. Guys, don't just talk about being the church. Go be the church where you live, work, and play. And may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Amen.